Good morning or good evening, and thanks for joining us on the From Failure to Freedom podcast. In this podcast, we will discuss topics of struggles in the workplace, relationships, finances, health, and personal life. The points in time where we've been at our lows and the freedom to fail our way to success. We're all failing, steering our ship in the direction we think leads to land. Going head on into every storm life throws our way, this will be a journey unlike any other. We welcome you to join us as we dive deep into the open water that is our freedom. Joined with me today is Weston. Hi there. One of the experiences I had recently led to the title of this podcast episode, and oftentimes our learning grows beyond the parameters of our own language, and we need to look beyond to other people and other cultures to get a better understanding of what it is we're going through. No one language is ever sufficient to express the fullness of the human experience, and certain languages have better or worse ways of describing certain experiences or states of being that we all endure. Gaman is a Japanese term that I learned about when I went to the Japanese American Exclusion Memorial on Bainbridge Island. And I did not know this place had existed, much less that this was part of history. I was not taught this in high school. I did not know about this in college. I didn't know about this until recently. And after the attack on Pearl Harbor, December 7th, 1941, President Roosevelt signed Executive Order 9066. This order gave authority to the War Department to create zones from which Japanese Americans could be excluded. The first exclusion area was designated as Bainbridge Island. On March 30th, 1942, the Japanese Americans living on Bainbridge Island were gathered at the Eagledale Ferry Dock and sent to the concentration camp in Manzanar, California, before being transferred to Minidoka. Once World War II ended, about half of the Bainbridge Island Japanese Americans returned to the island to resume their lives, raise families, and pick up where they left off. Mind you, this took roughly four years where people had their lives upended, ruined, destroyed. They were separated from their family. People lost members of their family in the way of all of this. But burning in their collective conscience was a phrase that translates to let it not happen again. And they vowed to honor and recognize the members of their community who spent part of their lives in the concentration camps simply because of their ancestry, nothing else. And one of the terms that I read while I was there was gaman. And that roughly translates to perseverance, patience, tolerance, and that's just in the English language. But generally, it's used to refer to strength and a calmness in the face of unpleasantness and adversity. It's an awe-inspiring resilience. It's enduring the seemingly unbearable with dignity. And I had experienced this kind of perseverance in my life 
quite frequently with challenges of work and school and growing up and uh, trying to advance in life. But I really didn't have a term for it other than the ones I've mentioned, perseverance, patience, tolerance, the same things you've been told your whole life and you roll your eyes at it because you've heard it millions of times. For me personally, seeing this kind of flicked a switch after looking at the history and realizing all of what happened, it gave me kind of a second wind. It said, whatever you're enduring and going through, just keep going. Yeah, that's that's really powerful because, you know, it's it's one of those things that happened in history that was negative, very unnecessary, very unjustified. But instead of just looking at the negative, you were able to take that, think about it, learn from it, and come up with something positive for your own life. And I really like the way you say there's other languages that might have words that, let's just say, English doesn't, that describes how we're feeling describes what we're going through, describes any kind of emotion that we may be feeling that is just completely undescribable at the time. And I've actually experienced this in my own life. There's been points in time where I wish I could put a word to what I was feeling. And I just never really considered at that time, there could be a word out there for me. I just have to search for it. And it kind of makes me think even further, you know, not just looking for words, but looking for meaning. And finding meaning in things that we discover on a daily basis, weekly basis, monthly basis. You know, even experiencing something like you did with the memorial. Those are very impactful. And I feel like they're put there for a reason. Well, I had also known of this memorial when I had gone to the area before. I had made general plans on going and visiting. But never got around to it for convenience reasons, for personal reasons. I just never made my way there. But for whatever reason, this time, there was no excuse. There wasn't even any pressure to go, but the decision was made to go see what it was about. I had known about it. I'm in the area. Now's the time. And I think... When you are considering events that happened even now coming in this January, it will have been 80 years since this happened. But that's bridging a gap. And you know that somebody 80 years ago, they came long before we did, long before we existed. They were still feeling some of the things that both you and I and other people are feeling right now. And it's this means of, I don't know how I can possibly bear this, but I'm going to. And that really resonates with me because it's a decision to say, just because I don't know, just because it's unknown, just because I'm afraid, just because it's inconvenient, that won't stop me from putting one foot in front of the other. And hearing you say that kind of reminds me of a time that you and I were talking previously. I think it was a couple of months ago, actually. And you were just discussing how something bad may happen to someone. You know, obviously they don't deserve what's happening. But it, it almost makes it to where they're questioning 
Why, why are these things happening? Why are they happening to certain people? Why are they not happening to certain people? And thinking about an incident like this, for example, 80 years ago, you know, it's in the past. It happened. At the time, they may not have understood why it was happening. But I think back and actually through the timeline, there have been events like this that keep reoccurring. They may not be the same type of event. But it always raises that question. Why is it happening? Why did it happen? What was the reason? Things like that really open up the mind and open up the thought process. The reason why it's so relatable now, obviously, neither yourself or myself have gone through an experience that severe or that heart-wrenching, but it's events like that where we should stop and try and think about how we can be better. And I've said this a couple of times to you, actually. I try not to complain in my life because... People like that that went through the suffering, people like that that went through losing their loved ones, losing their homes, you know, all these bad things, it really opens up my mind. It makes me appreciate the things that I do have. And that's another thing that we've discussed previously as well. I also think it's important to relay what you just said and knowing that throughout history, these kinds of things have happened time and time again. And oftentimes there is no rhyme or reason to it. It's just simply awful. It's ugly. It's evil. And it's hard to say, this is why this happened. It's hard to put your fingertip on it and say definitively, this is why this happened. And I don't think it's as simple to say as, oh, these people hated each other. I mean, I'm sure that had some influence in this happening. But 80 years later, especially after having visited the memorial and reading the stories, I think life repeats. And when it repeats, you have an opportunity to do something differently than what was done previously. And while at this memorial, they did list people and names of those who were good people in that time frame. They did try to help They did try to stop what was happening and they were remembered for doing those things. And at the same time, they alone were not enough to stop the evil things that were happening. And that really struck me too, because I started thinking, well, some of the evil things that are going on in the world, some of the tragedies that are happening, I'm not directly a part of it, but oftentimes I feel like I can even stop it if I wanted to. And Believe me, I do want to, but it's hard for me not to consider myself being a bystander when these awful things do happen and there's just anger and turmoil going on in the world. And you're just along for the ride. You're just kind of enjoying your day as best you can because it's it's kind of a sunny day outside and you find the parts of your life that you can enjoy. It's almost hard for me not to feel a little bit guilty Because you're not a part of the struggle and you're not a part of the solution. But at the same time, I have to question, am I embodying the phrase of Gaman and just bearing it the way that I know how? And I think when we talk, Chris, that's something that like we kind of bounce back on each other a lot. And it's just a matter of, are we doing the best we can? If the answer is yes, we have nothing to be ashamed of. 
But if the answer is I don't know or simply no, I know we do encourage each other to figure out how we can do better. And not that you have to know right now, but definitely have that perseverance, have that faith to keep moving forward despite what you do or don't know about what you're going through. One thing also talking about this topic that I think about quite often, Les Brown says, when things go bad, don't go with them. And there's a lot of symbolism in that when talking about this event. In certain ways, shapes, forms, in certain light, history has repeated itself. It may not have been the exact same way, but it has. And I would much rather be a small light in all of the darkness than to just give up, let my light burn out. Because part of what I think makes our lives important, part of what I think makes our civilization important, it's not just about being a good person, raising families and being responsible. To me, it's more about just carrying on a positive legacy for futures to come. And so if I can take a little bit of time out of my day to leave some sort of positivity in the world in whatever form it comes in, I would much rather do that and be exhausted at the end of the day, just trying to be good, than to just take the easy route and become just another variable of the bad. And that's always been very important to me. I'm glad you mentioned that. And it is important not to be consumed by the negative things in your life. Because it's far too easy to get defeated. And if you become defeated, it's hard to get back up after that. It is harder to persevere and move forward. And one of the things that I've struggled with in my life is feeling like I haven't done enough. I haven't made enough progress. I haven't worked hard enough, even though like part of me knows that's not true. I, I've done all that I can. I've given it my all and sometimes my all just simply wasn't enough. And that is a hard pill to swallow. But I have to trust that those things happened for a reason that way. And I think when considering the idea of come on, for me, it really comes through in kind of a personal way. If I get stuck in a rut, if I simply just do not know what my next step is. I don't know how I'm going to go through this. I don't know a way out. I don't know a way through. It's all very new and unknown. That can be challenging in its own right. And you feel stuck. You feel very secluded and isolated as if nobody understands what you're going through. And seeing this and seeing the definition of it and being able to read people's stories and know some of the things that they endured were not even by choice, even remotely. That really gave me a sense of hope that as bad as things get, there, there is still always a choice. I kind of want to chime in with something you said a little earlier. You basically said that at times you've done your best. Either you felt like it wasn't enough or it just wasn't for whatever reason. And one very important thing that I would like to bring up I've also felt this way before as well. And part of the struggle that I've had in the past is trying to force a solution out of one that will not come. And what I've really struggled with that I'm getting better at now, we're always taught just to do our best. We're always taught to give it our everything. 
We're never taught, we're never trained, we're never educated on what if that best isn't good enough? How do we accept that? How do we get past that? How can we willingly accept that our best will not forge a solution? And sometimes in those instances, the only solution is for you to relinquish that control and relinquish that want to force a solution that won't come. That's very true. And I point to the incident that happened almost 80 years ago now. These people did not have any control in the matter. Zero. I I imagine if they did, this wouldn't have happened. But by force, they were not allowed to have a say. They, They were taken from their homes, from their families, and sent somewhere to die. They were, they were not expected to come back. Many did, even though many did not. And I would only imagine the desire to have a say, to have some form of control, to have a voice in this instance when you were denied a voice. You were denied an opinion. In fact, if you're miserable, that's a good thing. That's what the people who did this to them wanted. They did not like them at all. They didn't want them to be comfortable. They wanted them to be miserable. They wanted them to be broken. They wanted them to be defeated, but they weren't. And I have to think it's because of this term. Come on. Uh, It's also because of a term that I found doing a little bit of research about this and some of the terms in language. And there are eight principles of a term called Bushido. And that is a ancient code of the samurai. In English, it's closest to way of the warrior, or as we know it now, chivalry. And a lot of times people, especially today, will say chivalry's dead. But I think because we associate chivalry with some form of properness, that we oftentimes do it for self-gain, Instead of it just being a part of who we are, something that should be honed. And there are eight pillars, eight principles to Bushido. That is righteousness. And this one is sometimes referred to as justice. And it's about striving to do the right thing. There is heroic courage. Compassion. Because with great power comes great responsibility. Respect truthfulness, honor, loyalty, and self-control. And those are all things that I've tried to embody in my life and get better at over the years. But again, this is just something that is completely new to me, even though it's something I've practiced. And so that term, Bushido, combined with Gaman, This is how they were able to carry on with something that was unbearable for an unknown amount of time. And I I won't go into what we're all enduring today, but I imagine this is something that we could all use a little bit more of, is just knowing that despite how long it takes, despite how hard it gets, despite how I feel about it, I can still push through. I can still make a decision 
to not go through the motions. I can still make a decision to not get bogged down by the things that happen to me and instead know that nothing is permanent. Instead, know that even if something tries to steal my time, that is not the worst thing that could happen to me. The worst thing that could happen to me is that I fall prone to that. I actually want to discuss these pillars that you mentioned in brief detail, if if I can. We'll start with the righteousness. And as you said, that's referred to as justice, striving to do the right thing. We're put in situations where it would be so much easier to do something that's not the right thing. For example, you could want something that you don't have money for. It would be very easy just to take it without paying for it. But the reason we don't is because it's something that should be earned. There's a lot of power in earning. There's a lot of power in being a good person. It also plays into your character in times where you may be the one that everyone is counting on. Are you going to do the right thing or are you going to take the easy way out? So it's more than just, in my opinion, justice or doing the right thing. It's also a part of someone's character. Now, I'll try and go through these quickly. I just want to make a couple of points on each. You know, the next would be courage. If you just think about the word courage, you just think, okay, so taking things head on, being able to do the things maybe that you would be scared to do or you weren't looking forward to doing. But really, this plays into it as well, because courage goes hand in hand with righteousness. You have to have that courage in order to do the right thing at times. It's never going to be easy. Think of it in a sense of sword and shield. The sword is the righteousness that you're going to be using to attack the problem you're faced with the right way. And the courage is the shield that's going to protect you against the outcome, whether it be positive or negative. Then there's compassion. Now, this is, this is actually one of my favorite ones of the pillars because I always personally try and be compassionate to other people, to situations, to experiences. But what they're talking about here, with great power comes great responsibility. The power that they're referring to, at least this is how I'm interpreting it, is the ability to take something, let's just say a rose, for example, and you have the ability to take care of that rose or crush it up in your hands, because you can. And that's what they mean by the power. How are you going to choose to use that? Are you going to choose to trick people or empower them? And then comes respect. Respect is never given freely. Respect has to be earned. And this goes both ways. You got to give respect to get respect. That's how it works. Respect is also earned by character, by being respectful and doing the right thing. And then again, it's almost like these things just keep going hand in hand and hand in hand. And that's probably part of the, the pillars here. But truthfulness, you can't be respected if you're not truthful. Regardless of the outcome, that's also something that you need to face head on. You know, being truthful, making sure that you're reliable. People can count on you. You're not a liar. You're going to do what you say you're going to do. Kind of jumping forward a little bit to honor you know, these these are kind of, in the way I've said it, in modern times, I guess you could say, these are it's just a code of ethics, right? It's a code of honor. It's a code of self-freedom, self-improvement, 
self-influence. You know, that's that's about having good sportsmanship, for example. Even if you're a winner, you're very gracious, you're very kind, you're very generous, you're very accepting of the outcome. And loyalty, this is actually one of my favorite ones. I always tell people I'm one of the most loyal people they will meet. And I try and be there for people as much as I can, help them as much as I can. And this isn't just friends. This isn't just family. This is anyone. You know, if you have a certain level of loyalty, it means you're willing to be more influential. You're willing to be more respected. You're willing to be one of someone else. And then self-control. That kind of goes back, in my opinion, into the with great power comes great responsibility. Self-control. We all have impulses. We all have urges. We all have things we talk about. Oh, well, if I would have just said that, if I would have just done that, the woulda, coulda, shoulda type of mentality, we're all adults. We're all growing. We're all maturing. We're all developing ourselves. Hopefully, we're trying to develop other people in a positive way. The self-control to me means reacting to certain situations in a way that's going to build a positive reaction. And I think it was you, Weston, that said earlier, you could be sitting on a bus, for example. There's tons of seats open. Someone comes and sits next to you. And you could be mad about it. You could complain. You could be mean to that person. You could tell them to move. You could ask them, hey, what's your problem? There's tons of seats open. Or you can control those urges. You can control those impulses. And if it bothers you, say, excuse me, could I please have a little space or I would like to sit alone? There's ways to go about things where if you just show and display self-control, it, it just speaks volumes. And so I know that was kind of long and drawn out, but I just wanted to go over quick topics for each because each of these words are very important to me. And Wes and I obviously can't speak for you, but I'd like to think that they're important to you as well. They certainly are. It's something that I choose to embody in my own life. No matter how difficult it is, I try to maintain a level of tolerance with other people while also being strict with myself. I know we covered all pillars there, but it is very important to analyze each one and continue striving for improvement. Because if we're honest with each other, our world is desperately, desperately in need of healing. And that requires that we all put our shoulders to the wheel and apply the resolve that is necessary. And since you're listening, I want you to know that there are people in your life that look to you and how you react to the negative things in your life and even the positive things in your life. I also don't want to be seen as egotistical or narcissistic based on the success that comes my way. Just in the same way, I don't want to be broken and defeated if something awful happens in my life. You can choose to be a positive influence rather than a negative or self-absorbed influence. And I think that's one of those things that Chris and I push not only ourselves to do and each other to do every day, but we encourage you to do the same. This is just one of the many topics that I've explored and discovered in my life that has had an impact. And I would hope that you guys have the same experiences where something just hits you in the face. It comes across you 
and it overwhelms you in the best possible way. We'd like to thank you for joining us today with this episode of the Failure to Freedom podcast. We deliver weekly episodes to our website and other streaming platforms such as Spotify and Apple iTunes. If you have ideas of topics you'd like us to discuss, sign up for our email newsletter on our website. Failtosale.com And as always, it's been a pleasure. Happy sailing, everyone. <laughs>